0: Hello, and welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. You may notice that the audio quality of this intro is a little different than normal, and I apologize if that different means terrible. I came to visit my parents, um, and I'm in the middle of the desert at the moment, and I recorded everything. I ro- <laughs> I did a pre-record of the entire episode and i was like all i need to do is add sound effects and i can do that without um you know my microphone and i'm good and i just brought my sound files down and i've been working on this episode here and there whenever i get a chance and i realized i didn't record an intro or outro so (laughs) here i am doing that in the dead of night in my parents guest bedroom um, I'm using my Tascam dr 40 uh, that's, they're not a sponsor, I, I, really wish they were, but, um, so it's a really, it's a lot more sensitive of a mic, it's really good for sound effects and for ASMR, I was gonna do a little ASMR type intro, but I was like, oh, a few of you out there would, it would be like nails on a chalkboard, because I know a lot of people hate ASMR, so here we are, just doing this, um, I hope it's okay. Um, so I'm probably not going to do an outro just because I don't have, uh, all of my stuff in front of me and it's already been kind of a pain already to put this episode together while, um, trying to visit with my parents and just, you know, be on a sort of vacation. I don't know why I thought it was a smart idea to just bring this episode down and work on it. I um oh my god, I this microphone picks up everything. I even turned down the sensitivity, but I'm pretty sure you can hear every little move I make. Um But anyway, you know, you just like every once in a while you're like, I got a little bit of work to do. It'll be fine to do a little bit of work on vacation. Um and it's not. You always end up doing more, either not getting it done or spending the whole time working on this, and I've been working on this on and off for three days because I know by now, after over a hundred episodes, after two years of doing this, I know it takes me a long time to do these episodes, but I fooled myself into thinking, hey, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll just work on it here and there. And this episode in particular ended up being very, very heavily reliant on sound effects. Um, Well, reliance not a good word because that means, that would say that the narrative didn't wasn't good enough without it but you know what i mean it's just it it required a lot of sound effects it's a very good story it reminds me a lot of some sort of twilight zone-esque type story um it's something i don't know you'll see you'll see it's it's really great It, it just required um I don't know if I want to give anything away. I was going to go into here. I am holding this like fancier mic than I usually use, and I'm like ready to get into the tech of it all. It's put me in a different mindset. Okay, I need to go to bed, and this is probably sounding awful. I I have I have ear uh, earbuds in, and I can hear myself, but for some reason I just feel like I can't hear myself as well as I can when I'm recording. So we'll see. So this episode, this story, it's all, it's, we haven't had one of these in a little while where the entire episode is one story and here we have one today. So this episode was written by Harry Latour and it's called Door. I found a letter slipped under my door during the night, while heading out for an all-important interview with one of the top AI companies. We are tomorrow. It had no return address, but it was addressed to me. The exterior of the envelope covered with a little dirt, random pen marks, and a little creased in the upper left-hand corner. Alarmedly, small blots of brown spots marred the other side, Concerned about the suspicious stains, I kicked the letter into my apartment. I went to my closet, retrieved a pair of surgical gloves and a letter opener. I looked at my watch and noted I had time to read the letter and not be late. Cautiously, I opened the envelope. To my great surprise, the author used We Are Tomorrow stationery. I thought, how did this person know of my interview? I just moved to this apartment complex and told no one. A chill rolled down my spine, but curiosity got the better of me and I proceeded to read. The handwriting was a little slovenly, as if the author rushed to put the words to paper before it was forgotten. The handwriting became increasingly worse. It read as follows. If you are reading this, this letter successfully reached its destination. I implore you not to go to the interview. The word not was triple underlined. If you do not take heed of this warning, you will not be able to escape their control. I thought I escaped their manipulations, but it was a fleeting thought. If they discovered I am the author of this anecdote, the consequences will be dire and beyond human comprehension. For this reason, I cannot provide my name, but I will inform you of my circumstances. Once I was wide-eyed, naive, and tickled pink for the opportunity to interview at We Are Tomorrow. After weeks of sending resumes, waiting, and receiving no responses, I was finally granted the opportunity to interview with We Are Tomorrow. The day of the interview, I hurried along while repeating, I can do this. I can do this to myself as I was willing myself to do the impossible. Reaching the last step of the subway station steps, I looked up, turned to my left, and viewed my destination. The We Are Tomorrow building. It was a magnificent, modern-looking, sleek skyscraper with the exterior covered by one continuous black glass surface, Like a giant mirror it sparkles in the sunlight but for all its brilliance there was something off i chalked the feeling of dread to nervousness before my interview while i stood there and took in the view i felt a bump to my right shoulder then another stop being a tourist and move out of the way a man in a dark suit said yeah Like he never saw a building said another before a riot commenced i advanced toward the building i found myself walking faster than i wanted to i had to contain my excitement and slowed my pace i entered the building employing a limpid revolving door and exited into a busy but not chaotic lobby and eerie silence It was a stark contrast to the chaos and noise of the streets, just beyond the doors. Visitors, employees, and security, scurrying in every direction. What was odd, no one spoke. Not to each other. Everyone was looking at their phones or tablets. Even the computers and steps of shoes hitting the shiny marble floor did not echo any sound. The lobby must have some sort of noise suppressor equipment. "'Installed to cause the zone of silence,' I thought to myself. Impressed, I approached the security desk. A large, hulking man in a black blazer, white shirt, and black tie extended his left hand to signal for me to stop without looking up. I plucked my cell phone from my pants pocket and noticed I was cutting it close. Seconds went by while fighting the urge to show my annoyance. When I was about to protest the delay... The guard waved me forward and pointed towards a bank of turnstiles. I turned my attention back to the guard and was about to ask for a pass when he looked at me with an unpleasant scowl. Intimidated, I headed towards the turnstiles. Suddenly, I felt my cell phone vibrate. I stopped and looked at my phone. It was a text message from We Are Tomorrow. It read... Welcome to the We Are Tomorrow Corporation. You are here for an 11am interview with Mr. Damon Dead. Please proceed to the elevator to the 13th floor. The receptionist will greet you. I approached the turnstiles as the twin glass barriers parted. I went through a crowd gathered silently in front of the five elevators. Everyone was looking at their phone or other electronic devices. Looking at my cell, I noticed I had less than five minutes to get to my destination. Annoyed and frustrated, I stood there formulating a plan to get in the first available elevator. An elevator opened up, and I prepared to do battle. Then another text arrived. I looked down, and it read, Go past the elevators and make a right. There, you can take a private elevator to the 13th floor. Not believing my luck, I followed the instructions, there an elevator, with no one around and the doors open. As I entered, the doors closed silently, and upward I went. The interior was all white, a hospital white, and again, spookily quiet. The walls and ceiling were blank. The ceiling was illuminated, but I could not discover the source. When the doors opened, it revealed an elegant floor. It was decorated with beautiful white and beige marble tiles. The typical potted plants were absent. Hanging on the beige walls were bizarre paintings of Dante's Inferno. They were depictions of torture, decapitation, and pain. I thought it was an odd choice for a celebrated company to display instead of the standard motivational quotes. It was absent of furniture except for the futuristic glass reception desk, manned by an exquisite-looking woman working at her computer terminal, faced my direction. The hard drive was hidden, but the glass flat-screen monitor, keyboard, and mouse were visible. The immediate area was devoid of anything except for an anomalous, baroque, red double wooden door to the right of her. The feeling of trepidation slithered over me. I chalked it up to the interview. During my approach, and before I could say anything, she looked up from her computer terminal and flashed a beautiful smile, but at the same time, it was a sinister smile. A smile from a gorgeous woman should have put me at ease, but there was something not right. I became enthralled by green, iridescent, emerald-like eyes. "'Please enter. Mr. Dead is expecting you,' she said in a soft, professional, but unnerving undertone while pointing to the doors. Not hearing a sound for quite a while jolted me back from the spell. Suddenly, the doors opened and revealed a short hallway to another set of red doors. Walking by her, she whispered, good luck. However, the good wishes sent a cold shudder down my spine. I entered, the doors behind me closed, and the doors ahead of me opened. After the interview, I felt anxious. I played the interview in my head over and over. I couldn't understand some of the questions. The most peculiar was, if I had to choose which parent to choose to live, who would it be and why? Many of the questions didn't delve into my qualifications or work history. It felt more like a psychological exam. Also what was abnormal during the interview, the room became uncomfortably hot. I was appreciative for the offer of water to quench my sudden thirst. I exited the outer doors, but the secretary was gone. I yearned to see the secretary before leaving, but oh well. I looked around and found everything was still there, except for the elevator. Apprehensive, I went to the location of the missing elevator. I was sure the elevator had been there, but instead of an elevator, it was a wall with another one of the hellish paintings. I double-backed to the secretary's desk, but the desk and the doors were absent. I scrutinized the room, but everything was the same. I advanced to the spot on the wall where, just a few minutes ago, I exited. I felt the wall for indentations or something resembling a door, but it was just a wall. What should I do? I thought to myself. Something directed me to turn around. After turning, I saw an elevator. Standing there in disbelief. I watched the doors silently slide open. It was a different elevator. The interior had red and black flooring. The walls contained a midnight color. A feeling of trepidation climbed from my toes to my head. I did not want to enter, but I looked around and found no other avenue to exit. Judiciously, I entered the metal box. I saw panels to the right and left. There were 11 buttons, each labeled by a letter from A to K, in descending order. However, the letter H was at the very bottom. I guessed the H meant home for the lobby. I pressed the H button and immediately felt something sharp prick my finger. Ouch! I yelled as I pulled back my finger and noticed a trickle of blood oozed out. I watched the blood drip onto a red tile. It seemed the red morphed into a darker shade to match the color of the blood. The doors noiselessly closed and descended. I placed my finger in my mouth. I noticed each of the buttons had a small needle protruding. The elevator traveled downwards for ten seconds and came to a gentle halt. Beyond the doors, muffled sounds of a hum, followed by metal hitting metal. Then the hum. Eager to leave, I waited by the doors to open. Nothing happened. I searched but could not locate a help button. I sought for a camera, intercom, nothing panicked, I looked up and screamed and banged on the elevator doors. I kept screaming until my voice became hoarse. Realizing that help was not coming, I slumped down onto my knee on the floor in defeat. Suddenly, the doors silently parted. It revealed a hallway, illuminated in a bright flashing red light that seemed to originate from everywhere. In between flashes, I saw bulky, clear tubes clamped to both sides of the walls. A red liquid flowed within them. The humming sound was louder without the elevator buffering it, as were the metal sounds. I strained to see the far end of the corridor. In the far distance, I noticed movement. I stood my ground and watched the shadow trudge towards me. Hello? Can you help me? Strained as I attempted to yell, I forgot I had stressed my voice before. No response. Whoever that was did not hear. I began to wave my arms and hands in the hopes of getting their attention. From my view, it stopped for a moment as if it was studying me. It continued its journey forward, but at a faster pace. The metal clangs were getting louder and more forceful. The feeling of fear slowly shrouded me. Unsure what to do next, I witnessed the shadow loom larger and larger. To my horror, it was not a person, but a metallic figure with red glowing eyes, metallic teeth clenched and metal sticks in each hand striking them together. It had two additional arms. The left hand was pulling something out of sight while the right was empty. Just imagine Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator without the skin and four arms. As it menaced closer, the sound of heavy footfalls rebounded throughout the corridor. I was locked in place, frozen with fear. I scanned the panels and noticed the needles were a little longer. I looked back at the creature and was able to see, in its left hand, it dragged a body by the head. The face was facing me, and I could not tell if the person was alive. The image of that victim is burned into my consciousness. It was a look of pure terror and a plead for assistance. I looked back at the panel, then the creature. In the act of self-preservation, I pushed a button with another finger. I felt the burning sensation of the needle going deeper into my flesh. The creature was nearly at the threshold when it quickly closed and lifted upward. I removed my finger and stood still and attempted to process the events of before, while my blood dripped from my finger to the floor. A few seconds later, the elevator came to a stop, and the door silently parted. The revelation of the new floor was frightening. I encountered a pitch-black void. The light from the interior of the elevator could not penetrate the darkness. How can this be? I thought. How can this fit into a building? Before I could wrap my mind around my current situation, numerous voices began to emanate from the darkness, beckoning me to come into the void. The voices were soothing and mesmerizing. Like a moth like a moth attracted to a lighted lamppost. I felt my legs moving forward towards the door. I mustered all my strength, lifted my arms and held on to both sides of the elevator to stop my momentum. The voices grew boisterous and my arms were quivering. Like hitting a brick wall, I realized I needed to perforate a finger to select floors. I raised my left pinky and sluggishly came down on a button. I clenched my teeth as the pain from the needle piercing my skin shot up my arm. As the doors came together, a spectral face appeared and gave out a loud, hellish shriek. I stumbled back and it caused my finger to pull away from the needle. I collapsed before the closed door and the elevator moved to the next floor. Stirred from my slumber, I struggled to my knees and looked at my fingers to inspect the injuries. My index finger was coated with smeared dried blood. My pinky was still bleeding. I reached for my neatly folded handkerchief stored in the outer breast pocket of my jacket and wrapped the pinky. The elevator came to a stop and the letter D illuminated on the panel. The doors slowly opened and revealed a slightly tilted floor with a dark, creepy hallway with a blinking white light behind a slightly ajar door. The silence was deafening. Suddenly, I saw a shadow cross under the door. I took a step back. The shadow raced back and forth a few times, then it stopped at the middle. The door gradually opened to expose a large shadowy figure with glowing red eyes and four limbs extending from its sides. Despite the darkness, I could see it held a menacing instrument that gleamed with the flash of the blinking light in its left hand. I could swear, I could see it smile in the darkness. Oh God, it found me. But how, I thought. Behind the figure, dirty and bloodied medical apparatuses hung on a grungy hospital wall. My heart fluttered as the figure silently marched forward. Terror crept over me, I rushed and pushed the letter I, again. The pain of the needle throbbed in my hand as tears welled up in my eyes. I looked up and saw the figure almost at the door. Still hidden by the darkness, it reached out with a bloodied, sharp silver instrument. The door closed as the instrument and the mechanical arm shot through and swung wildly. I recoiled as the doors opened slightly and closed, again and again. Finally, the thing pulled its arm back, and the door closed. The elevator continued to ascend for ten seconds. As the elevator doors opened, I saw a dimly lit, dusty room filled with dozens of upright figures covered with shrink wrap. The smell of dampness and wet dog was overwhelming. At the far end of the room, an exit sign was barely visible. Internally, I debated if I should step out and make a run for the exit or stay put. From the corner of my eye, I saw a slight movement. Abruptly, the interior of the elevator went completely dark for three seconds. When the power returned, The figures moved from their previous positions to partially block my path. I decided to move on, and looked at the panel and pondered my next destination, while I spied the room ahead of me. The power went out again for a second, and when the power returned, a figure was at the door's threshold. I grasped and kicked at it. It did not dislodge from its spot, and it took another step forward with a heavy bump. I bolted forward for the panel, and in the process jammed a finger into the letter D. The door slammed shut and crushed the covered figure. It was the sound of crushed flesh. As the elevator ascended, the pool of flesh was absorbed by the floor. Seconds later... The door opened. This floor was completely empty and well lit. The walls and floor were covered with red tiles, emitting light. No windows, no furniture. The temperature hit you with intensity. It was cold, like a January night in Alaska. I pulled up the collar of my jacket and shivered, rubbed my hands. A breeze blew past. And the feeling in my hands and feet abandoned me. I realized if I did not act immediately, I would develop frostbite or worse. Slowly, I trudged to the panel and pressed E. Due to the cold, the needle did not easily penetrate. The numbness eased the pain. I pressed again. Nothing. As a last act of desperation, I thrust my finger. I felt my vision blur, and sleep wrapped itself around me. I roused from my slumber to the warmth, and my eyes whipped around the elevator. The letter I on the right panel, covered in crimson, blinked like a flashing traffic light. I unwrapped the handkerchief from my left hand and placed it in my pocket. I sat up and examined my fingers. Four punctured, but three had deep wounds. I turned my attention to the doors, waved my hand and waited for a reaction. Nothing. It felt as if the elevator was watching me, toying with me. I planted my hands behind and kicked. Nothing. But the sound of my feet striking the doors resonated throughout the car. I stood up and faced the doors. After a two-second delay, they slid open and revealed a floor filled with thick, dense fog. A silent, cool breeze brushed against me. Warily my hand stretched into the fog to probe. A warm and moist mist carpeted my hand. The fog became thicker, gelatinous like soup. Uncertainty hung in the air. I forwent the idea of exploring any further. I looked at the panel, took a deep breath, and stabbed my finger at the needle projected from button E. The pain was so unbearable I saw stars as the doors closed. As I recovered, the elevator came to a halt. And the door slid open, I observed a sterile operating room. Centrally located in the chamber was another Terminator-looking beast like the one from before. It stood in front of an operating table surrounded by various electronics and evil-looking instruments. Its back was facing me, and it seemed unaware of my presence flanked to one side were five people sat there with unexpressive looks. In horror, I watched and heard the thing rip out a brain and a spine from a person on the table and plunk it into a glass container. It pushed the bed towards a chute and disposed a body into it in a callous manner. As the bed returned to its original point, the person closest rose and approached the bed, laboring as if they were fighting internally to proceed. At the last second, the victim whipped his head around and gawked at me with a plea of help in his eyes. Unexpectedly, the robot snapped around and looked dead at me. It paused, then turned around as the next patient laid down. Suddenly, I felt an impact around my neck and staggered. I fell to the ground and the world went black. I awakened to find myself sitting among the patients with an apparatus covering my face. The apparatus was a strange gas mask attached to a tube connected to a moldy off-white ceiling, like an oxygen mask on an airplane. I presumed it would expel gas for me to breathe in, to be in a compliant state of mind. Lady Luck found me, because I felt nothing, and was able to think and observe. The apparatus must have malfunctioned. I scrutinized my environment to escape. I noticed the elevator door was open, the thing was too occupied butchering. So I ripped off the mask and made a run for the elevator. I slid into the elevator as tiny projectiles flew past me. I could hear them strike the interior. I crawled to the side of the elevator for cover and slammed my hand into the panel. Nothing happened, except for pain and blood leaching out of my palm. I used a finger from the other hand and struck K. I felt multiple pellets hit my body and the door closed as I went into a slumber. I came to in a still elevator and the pellets were absent. I shifted my attention to the closed doors. The letter K silently blinked. Slowly rising to my feet, I pushed myself to my knees, then to one knee, and I finally stood up. I sauntered to the doors, but they didn't open. I took a step back and approached the door once more. Nothing. Without warning, I heard a click from below. I looked down and bile rose into my throat. The elevator floor plunged away and I watched it fall into darkness. Instinctively, I screamed and jumped to one side. Seconds after processing the scene, I realized there was a transparent barrier keeping me inside. The light of the interior penetrated a level below before darkness consumed it. Relief trickled down from my head to my toes. I closed my eyes and tried to calm myself. While enjoying this brief respite, I felt the elevator shake ever so slightly, as if something was climbing the elevator cable. I opened my eyes and looked around, then down. I noticed the cable faintly wobble. Something was ascending from the darkness. I peered into the darkness to discern what was approaching. Gradually, it emerged. It was from the depths of hell itself. The creature had two terrifying, gazing, glowing red eyes, with no pupils, blackish fingernails, decaying, greyish skin, parts of the arms exposed yellowish bones, and no visible mouth. It climbed, exerting no effort. Frozen to the spot, I observed it edge closer and closer. Lost in its gaze, I watched it reach and pierce the floor with its grotesque hand and arm. Wildly, I pushed the letter B, and the needle penetrated deeply into my finger. The pain shot through my entire body. I fought the urge to scream or pass out as I kept an eye on the fiend. Speedily, the elevator shot upward, and to my surprise. I did not feel a thing. The creature quickly retreated out of view, and the floor became opaque again. Realizing I was out of danger, my freshly stabbed finger throbbed. As I attended to my finger, the car came to a stop. The doors refused to open, as if it was waiting for a response. Feeling obliged, nervously, I went to the doors and they opened. My eyes were as big as dinner plates to sights and sounds of a blaring oncoming train. Time abruptly stopped. The car shuddered. I stabbed the left panel with my finger and the door closed. When the doors closed, the blaring sounds were supplanted by silence. It was as quiet as a tomb. The elevator came to another stop and silently opened, and revealed a wooden, dusty stairway leading down. The stairway looked rickety, as if it had been unused for years. A pungent smell permeated the air. It was illuminated by torches. The torches secreted a yellow liquid as it fell and pooled under each torch like wax from a lit candle. At the far end, there was a pinpoint of light. The sounds of heavy footfalls clambered upwards from below, slow as resting on each step. I strained to see what was approaching, but glimpsed nothing. The thuds became louder and the pace quickened. I felt as if my eyes were going to fall out of the sockets because I strained to view my company. Finally, I saw a figure in the distance. The feeling of uneasiness and dread befell me. The hairs on my arms and neck pricked. Not wanting to stick around, I closed my eyes, took a short, deep breath, and pushed. I heard flesh perforated as the door closed. And I refused to open my eyes to see whatever came into full view as it moved with unnatural speed. The ride took about 10 seconds before it stopped. As the doors unsealed, the stench of rotten meat and sulfur almost overwhelmed me. The floor was a large, enclosed room with worn and tarnished wooden floors. On the opposite end, Two enormous yellow eyes with black pupils looked at me through a sizable hole with hunger and hate. Stunned, I watched a mouth materialize. It wore an unpleasant smile. It revealed yellowish-stained, jagged teeth. Without giving a thought, I looked at the right panel and pushed the letter F. Through the gap of the elevator doors, just before it closed, its tongue lunged towards my direction. The elevator descended this time instead of ascending. Shocked, I glanced at the selected floor. Yep, the letter F was lit and covered in freshly spilled blood. I stood there contemplating why the elevator was going in the wrong direction. Then... The entire elevator became transparent, exposing the mechanisms on top and bottom of the car. Above the car, it was pitch black, but below, I saw the shaft open. Shortly after, the elevator entered an immense cave containing a stadium, like the Roman Colosseum. Rows of empty seats encircled the space between the outer wall and the central ring. Large, dark openings lined the walls. As the elevator neared the floor, creatures poured out and headed towards the shaft. They were… from your worst nightmares. Some were flying skeleton heads with black feathered wings, others with gaping mouths constantly snapping and others too numerous to describe. The elevator arrived and gently touched the ground. I saw the creatures pushing against the invisible walls of the shaft and door. Spittle and other vile discharge painted the walls. Their eyes expressed eagerness to reach in and tear at me. Terror crept over me as I watched the panels vanish. Without the panels, I had no other means to escape my fate. Accepting my pending doom, I pondered upon my method of death. Would I be crushed to death? Perhaps mauled, or does thirst come first? Unexpectedly, a single panel appeared from the back of the elevator. It was a greyish globe with a single cavity formed for a hand. No other controls were nearby. It beckoned me, like it was for me. From afar, I studied the device, but from the corner of my eye, the door was slightly opening. Not knowing what else to do, reluctantly, I laid my hand upon the contraption. The device took a hold of my hand, and I tried to pull back, but to no avail. It felt as if the machine was extracting all of my blood through my hand. I fought the urge to sleep, but my breathing became labored. I used my free arm to cover my nose from the smell of burning flesh and unbearable pain shot through my body. The door opened slightly more as the creatures thrashed their limbs and dripping tongues, through the ever-widening crack with anticipation, the sounds of the monstrosities wretched at my soul. Without warning, the door completely opened, and the creatures rushed in for the kill. As I fell to the ground, clenched to the panel, I sealed my eyes shut, feeling their hot, decaying breath upon my flesh, waiting for them to tear into me. The noises became a cacophony of death. Then, everything went silent. Afraid to look, I took a moment and finally opened my eyes. The car was empty. Gone were the monsters, the noise, and death. The panel released my hand and dissolved into the wall. I inspected my hand and found no burn marks. Rejoicing with my escape from death, I slowly stood. I noticed the elevator was not moving and the door remained closed. Before I could look for a way out, writing appeared before my eyes. It silently appeared within my eyes. It read, Congratulations, you passed the second part of the interview. What you have experienced was a test to determine if you have what it takes to work here. You may be wondering, did you just experience those nightmarish scenarios? The answers are yes and no. Yes, they were created by your mind, by nanites you ingested during the first interview. It was in the water you drank. No, the events were not real. The words evaporated and the doors appeared beyond them was a sterile empty room with two additional ordinary grayish metal doors the door on the right was marked human resources and the door on the left was labeled exit i stepped off the elevator and the doors closed i heard the elevator lift or descend I wasn't sure. I crossed my left arm across my chest, positioned my elbow to rest on my left hand, placed my right hand to rest on the side of my face, and tapped. As I contemplated my decision, I felt something on my fingers. Curious, I looked at them, and to my dismay, I saw the dried blood where they were pricked, I looked at my other hand and observed the same thing, my mouth agape, a thought escaped my throat. Was it an illusion?